0: Hey, what's up? I'm Skyler, and you're listening to Sky's the Limit. Uh, This is a podcast about video games and mental health and everything in between, so I hope you enjoy. Um, Feel free to send in messages, and maybe we'll talk. Today on Sky's the Limit, we're going to be talking about Death Stranding, the new Kojima game, as well as Valve and what they've been doing with their Index Virtual Reality uh going to be talking about half-life just a little bit and at the very end we're going to be talking about the all digital Xbox. So I recently picked up Death Stranding, which if you don't know, it is a Hideo Kojima game and it's his—it's his it's his first game uh since breaking off from uh whatever company he works he worked for. I forget. Um but it's his first game from breaking off of that and uh, coming back from Metal Gear and, of course, Silent Hill PT. Um, the main character, his name's Sam Bridges. Uh, he's played by Norman Reedus, who also played the well in The Walking Dead, which is where I personally knew him from. And he essentially goes across the country um, trying to reconnect... Uh, the UCA, which is the United Cities of America, and the game has this really cool um sort of theme of reconnecting and bringing everyone together for better or worse and I'll try not to spoil anything because I I actually haven't finished it yet, I'm about 20 hours in and chapter 3 I believe um and the thing about death Drowning that you'll probably hear a lot of other people say is that it takes a little bit to sort of get acclimated to the the mechanics such as um, the walking and the cargo sort of management system as well as the more survival aspects such as footwear and uh, how much you bring with you, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um... After you get acclimated to that, and after you get to about Chapter 3, you start getting these, uh, I guess, uh, exoskeletons. Excuse me. And they... So far, there's two of them. There's the speed skeleton, which obviously makes you faster, and the power skeleton, which ups your uh, cargo capacity, as well as helps you walk faster with more, if that makes sense. So, say without... A power skeleton, you will have 70-80 kilograms of cargo, and you'll barely be able to move uh, because of the weight. With a power skeleton, Sam is able to uh, easily sprint with 100-plus kilos of cargo. Um, Speaking of cargo, the main game is essentially a, a FedEx delivery service or a simulator, excuse me, and it's, I would say that the gameplay isn't the number one thing about it, I mean, I enjoy the gameplay, but that's just because I'm boring, um, the gameplay is mostly trying to traverse this, uh, expansive sort of wasteland, and you're trying to dodge BTs, which are beached things, um, which we'll get to in a little bit, um, mules, which come in later, they're sort of like, uh, sort of like homeless people who take your stuff. And, uh, you sort of trying to traverse a sort of unlivable habitat. And, um, I think the beauty of the game comes mostly from the cutscenes, because the cutscenes are really good. Um, especially if you have, say, a PlayStation uh, 4 Pro, um, then it's definitely, like, Netflix original quality, um, uh, film, I guess, and, um, that's what also a lot of people have been saying is, oh, well, um, is more of a filmmaker, he's not really a game, uh, designer, and I don't really think that, I don't think you can call it that, I think that he did something really interesting, and, um, I think he's good at both. I think he's good at his, um, his filmmaking sort of stuff, and his cinematics, and I also think that the gameplay is good. However, if you're looking for, you know, action-packed, Uh, gameplay then you just you will not find it here for the most part now you can later on kill people with lethal weaponry uh, such as handguns shotguns and assault rifles however the game sort of hints to not do that simply because um in death in death stranding excuse me um they when someone dies their body goes into a sort of necrosis And what essentially happens is a day or so after they die, they will become a a BT, a beached thing. And it attracts a lot more BTs. So you can obviously see the problem if someone dies in a residential city or a town. Um, So a big portion of the first chapter is um, sort of getting acquainted with BTs and, and the mechanics that are associated with them. Uh, for a little bit of context, essentially, v- Death Stranding takes place after an event called the Death Stranding, and they're not very clear on, on what exactly caused it, um, as they're you know trying to find out through the, the game. And you, like I said, you play Sam Bridges, and... The sort of afterlife that Death Stranding has is called the beach, and it's this super long stretch of of beach with all these beached fish and whales and sea life. And you've probably noticed as I'm talking, and you'll notice if you play this game, there's a big... um, sort of theme of things being beached or isolated from what they used to be. Um, Tying back into the idea of reconnecting society and uh, keeping everyone, I guess, connected. Um, And interestingly enough, some... I'll try not to get into too many names, but some characters in this game have the ability to travel on the beach when they're not dead per se. Normal a normal human could not go to the beach and come back usually um because they're dead and if they do come back it's as, as, excuse me it's as a BT and that's obviously not good for anyone living. Uh Sam has this interesting sort of talent called um being a repatriate Where essentially, when you die, you have to sort of track down your body so that your soul can go back into it. Um, sort of like, I don't want to say resurrection because it's a little bit different, but it is essentially Sam coming back to life and, again, reconnecting his soul to his body. Um, so, what was I thinking? Um... So essentially, so you have the beach. And Sam has this interesting sort of thing where, A, he's afraid of being touched. Uh, Several instances of of characters trying to, you know, uh, hug him or pat him on the shoulders or whatever. And he, you know, sort of backs away. And the interesting thing about that is... You'll notice if you've seen any of the promotional trailers or anything, or if you've played it, um, that he, every time he dies, he gets a new set of handprints on on his arm. Excuse me. And he sort of, and this is why I don't like to say resurrection, because resurrection is sort of um, consequenceless. When you die in Death Stranding, the there are consequences. Um, a obviously Sam's appearance, but B whenever a BT comes into contact with organic matter, aka humans, um, they cause they cause a void out, which is essentially an implosion. Um, and then there's a bunch of nonsense about antimatter that I'm not smart enough to understand, but essentially it implodes and causes this huge crater and essentially devastates life within like. A hundred or so mile radius. It's kind of insane, Um, and so that's a big reason why um, uh, killing enemies are such a big thing. Is because if a BT were to touch that body, it would cause a void out, and if the the void out happened near any city, they would immediately be you know devastated. Um, But And, essentially, it's it's just an interesting, you know, kind of thing. Um, and, like I said, I haven't completed it because I don't have... I It takes a lot of time. I mean, there are some missions where you'll cross thousands of meters and then have to go all the way back twice. And, it's a lot... If you don't like uh, fetch missions from you know, RPGs or what have you, then you probably won't like Death Stranding because it's sort of a very large, you know, fetch this and bring it to there, um, take something from there and bring it back. It's it's a lot of work. Um, but then again, if you like that kind of stuff and you and you like having to, uh, to think of everything that you do, um, I think you'll enjoy it. And I personally enjoy it, but that's just me. Um, secondly i i want to talk about the valve index uh virtual reality headset which isn't news per se but i find it interesting so valve has released a or released a couple months ago i think a virtual reality headset called the index and what the index is is a it's obviously a higher quality you know headset but also it can track your finger finger uh, movements in the game so for example the controllers instead of you holding them in your hand they strap around the back of your uh around the back of your hand so when you can go to grab something like you would in real life and you'll grab it in the game um and on excuse me and only a few of the Steam virtual reality games have implemented this. Uh because it like I said it's a bit newer and it does it is a bit more pricey. I believe it's $1000 um for a kit, the base kit which comes with the headset, the two controllers, the thing you have to plug into your PC. I don't I don't know. I don't PC game. Um But uh, it is kind of pricey, like I said, at $1,000. But I don't think that for what you're getting, I don't think it's really bad. I mean, obviously, yeah, someone like me who only plays PlayStation 4 and can't even afford a decent gaming PC obviously isn't going to be getting it because I can't afford it. But the people who already enjoy VR have already been sort of accustomed to spending hundreds of dollars on these experiences they have. And I, I think that virtual reality as a whole will expand and hopefully eventually go to, like, full-body, you know, immersion. Um, excuse me. But I... This also leads me to my next point, which is Half-Life Alex. Now, obviously, I don't play PC, so I didn't really play Half-Life, but I've watched it extensively, and I I love Half-Life, um, just as, like, a story in a a franchise. Um, so, they, Gabe announced, um, Half-Life Alex, I think, at the last major gaming convention. The name, uh, leaves me now, because I don't have my notes open, but, um, he announced it, and people are going crazy, and it's not half-life 3 don't don't be confused but i think that it is sort of the spiritual half-life 3 if that makes any sense i think it's the closest to a half-life 3 we'll be getting anytime soon um also interestingly uh, half-life alex as far as i'm aware is virtual reality only so if you don't own a vr headset probably the index Um, you just can't play this game, which I think is kind of just a bad practice because I don't like having to pay $60, $70 for a game and then have to drop more for the equipment to play the game um, when the experience is just the same without it. It's sort... And I think that people have started to kind of be angry about that because like i said people who played the original half-life um half-life 2 chapter 1 and 2 um all those people who don't have vr are gonna be really mad because they can't play alex which is like i said what i believe to be a spiritual success or excuse me um and i mean like if i was i would be upset because i think it's kind of a, a shitty thing for Valve to do in terms of, oh well, we're gonna make our game virtual reality exclusive. Um and like PlayStation has done the same thing. Sony has done the same thing with PlayStation, and that angers me. But I I think that the people who do have virtual reality and the people who do, you know, enjoy that kind of thing, I think they'll enjoy it. I mean if I played Half-Life and I had the $1,000 gaming setup, um, then I would probably enjoy it. I don't know. My opinions aren't really relevant. Um, so that's happening. As w- So I think this is actually sort of newsworthy or newer. Um, the all-digital Xbox One S. This upsets me personally because I am a very strong believer in the old days of... Xbox 360 and PlayStation 2 where you'd buy a game you'd be really excited to get home and play it and you just you pop it in and it and it works and you don't need and obviously it would update in the background but it's not something where you have to install it to play it you can pop in the disc and day one play it all you want maybe not have online but no I don't really care about online and a lot of other people don't um and it just, it angers me that we're going towards this um, all digital gaming where if you don't have the fastest Wi-Fi or the fastest internet, and then you're just going to be screwed. And I think that it's sort of unfair to those people who have these like $100, $100, Several hundred piece gaming collections of discs and cartridges and um, all that good stuff. And I I just think that it hurts them because they've spent all this money on discs for their game systems, and then they just fucking put it all digital, and it's kind of shitty, like I said. But, like and it doesn't even it looks weird because if you look at a picture it's like an Xbox but if you just like photoshopped the uh, the disc out the disc tray out of it and so it's kind of goofy but like I said I just don't enjoy the um the idea of um all digital gaming because I like I said I grew up with a PlayStation 2. I love the PlayStation 2. And I enjoyed being able to get a game, go home, and just play it and not have to wait three and a half hours to a day for it to install some update that gives your shoes more texture and gives you more hair follicles or whatever it does. Um, But that's just my personal take on it and uh, some people will like it and and I understand that. It's just I don't think it's for me personally.